So what we're saying then basically is that supermarket muffins should just not last <laughs> an entire week. Mm. What are they putting in? We that? shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't eat while we're recording. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 um, no, 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 yeah, I, I'm quite interested. country. <laughs> yeah, with what we're talking about, we're going to need to eat loads of sugar. <laughs> no, I like, I like, I like that we're quite open in terms of mm. this is what's going on while we're recording. Mm-hmm. And in a situation where you probably haven't eaten, and I definitely haven't eaten, we need food. It's just natural. Oh, definitely. Bienvenue à Passport People, the podcast where we talk to people about the places that matter to them. I am your host, Finn, and joining me today is the wonderful Maxime. How are you, Maxime? Good, and you? Not too bad. Bit early we're recording this. We've uh, we've had to get some uh, breakfast reinforcements in, mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm. think we're just about going to be okay yeah, for today. That should be fine. We've got some interesting stuff to talk about mm-hmm. in today's episode, starting with, of course, yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. So, um, my name is Max. Uh, is, it, is it okay for me to say names? Oh, or, yeah. Or I think I think we can just about get away with people knowing your name. <laughs> I mean, I am putting it in the title of this podcast, yeah. so... So, of course. So... Yeah, my name is Maxim Rani, uh, or you guys can, can call me Max, uh, usually. Uh, I'm a freelance photographer and uh, sometimes a visual artist and a model at the same time. Uh, been resi- residing in France for the past seven years, uh, since 2012. And uh, I mainly work as a freelance photographer, doing a lot of uh, corporate events. So covering loads of corporate sessions, uh, networking sessions, um, talks, conferences for any industries, and also do uh, produce marketing materials uh, for uh, any businesses or companies, whether it's for uh, properties, uh, restaurants, coffee shops, so that includes products, interiors, portraiture, a lot of stuff. And uh, and I say I'm a model, mostly life model uh, or art model but life modeling is what i do uh, most of the time around scotland a uh, lot in edinburgh and uh, yeah kind of keeps a lot of things interesting with my life so uh, never a dull day no <laughs> one moment you're looking at stuff and then the other moment everyone's looking at you basically yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Um, and so I guess with the having been sort of having lived in Scotland, but having come sort of from France, it kind of leads to that very loaded question that people like to ask each other for some reason about where you consider yourself from, because that's obviously a very complicated cultural mm. background that you've got going on. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, I'm from uh, the region of Rhône Alps, uh, as they call it. I used to live close to Lyon. Uh, I was born in a different place, uh, however, uh, which was Pont-à-Mousson in uh, Lorraine, uh, the region of Lorraine, uh, which was a really nice uh, region there. Uh, more young, uh, younger than uh, that part of France I'm coming from, younger than Lyon. And uh, I don't know how to follow that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I guess... 
with that all in mind, would you consider yourself to be French at the end of all of that? Because it's it seems to me to be quite mm. complicated, especially with you having having been outside of France for mm-hmm. seven years. Do you still consider that that is at the heart of your identity, or do you feel that your identity is kind of made up of all these places and experiences that you've consequently ended up yeah, uh, being a part well, of? Totally, uh, I, I can say that I'm totally not feeling myself French. Uh, probably right now my accent sounds French because <laughs> I'm quite tired when I'm not. <laughs> I, I sound either Irish or Scottish or English, <laughs> based on some people saying. But uh, uh, I, I don't yeah. feel totally French or I never actually really felt French. I mostly pretended to act like French in some ways <laughs> to to basically fit with I, I hate that word but the masses in, okay. in a way but um, uh, that's something I get get back onto and um, why we, we can think uh, of it that way but but mainly uh, very young I was already uh, being against um, certain ways of thinking uh, that didn't feel natural to me at the time but I wasn't aware that it was this wasn't natural so at heart um, I I mean especially to this day uh, I could say that I feel that uh, I'm a human from earth and uh, we're all living in the same era, place we, we we tend to work with each other helping out uh, helping each other helping out others and uh, and that's what we should currently do rather than uh, creating more barriers between us. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, my own cultural background. I I put this in the podcast for everyone because I really hate that question, mm. and I think the reason I hate that question more than anything is it's like I don't really know what to say because it's sort of like if you want where my parents are from, that's different from the cultural identity with which I was raised is different from the cultural identity based that I've sort of gained based on the places where I've then consequently gone and lived. And so it's, I'm always interested to hear the answer to that question. And I've heard quite a lot of people basically give the answer that mm. you've given, which is to say, I, I am human. I am from Earth. But as for the purposes of this podcast, we can't do the entire Earth. Where are we going to talk about today? So we're going to talk about France in overall, or where, how I was raised in parts I've been living there, uh, some of the parts I've been living there, and uh, how, in my view, things have evolved, and uh, how I personally evolved, and how it uh, made me basically leave the country, and uh, in certain ways hating it. Uh, but also understanding why uh, things are the way they are uh, and uh, and basically bring maybe some sort of conclusion, uh, fair conclusion to it. Uh, it's going to be a little bit negative on um, on the process, but... It's uh, okay. The, the French the won the World Cup last year. No, I think yeah. there's been enough good PR it's just to go the, around. At the end, I want to explain why why we came up to this and, uh, and uh, make people aware that nothing is all bad because um, we have the means now to realize all sorts of things and, and make sure we can uh, move on from that. Um, and that's what you can experience over the next hour. Mm-hmm. 
So, for those people who know of France, and basically so that we can give people a picture as to all the different places that we're going to be talking about today, so Lorraine, Lyon, mm. uh, Paris, can you just do a quick geographical where is everything in the context of France? Mm. So, yeah, m my family uh, was captured. Well, no, my family was uh, from different uh, backgrounds. My, my dad's side, uh, family side was from Italy. Uh, but, uh, and my mom's side uh, was partly French and p partly her, her mother had parts of Spanish and other things. So it's kind of multicultural. You are a full European baby. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, basically, my mom and dad, uh, many worked in the area of Lorraine. Uh, my mom's side rather was studying uh, a little bit further down uh, in uh, the city of Orange, which I forgot the region of. That's how bad uh, my, my <laughs> knowledge in France is these days. Uh, but my, my dad was mostly uh, studying, uh, well, studying, mostly having scholarships and, uh, and training uh, in Lorraine. Uh, and eventually my mom came to Lorraine, they met together um, and uh, well, they had both me and, and my sister, uh, not directly in Lorraine, my sister was born in Pont-à-Mousson, I was born uh, in Lyon um, and this is when they decided to move out to uh, south well, of France, close to Lyon, to, to do some work, uh, very specific work. Uh, my dad used to, to work at a nuclear plant, uh, but my mom's side was uh, decided to stop working uh, as a secretary to raise both of us. Uh, and since then, she hasn't looked for uh, for work. Um, so uh, uh, she she decided to fully commit to 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 uh, raise us. And uh, I don't know where to follow that up. Uh, uh, well, I, I should just take this moment to, to point out to the listeners that, mm. that Lyon, for anyone who's got no idea where that is, mm. it's sort of the gateway to the Alps is how yeah. they kind of like to put it. So imagine sort of central southern France, like an hour by train from the south coast and two hours south of Paris sort of area basically yeah, very of. very close to the swiss border yeah. fun fact mm -hmm. that anyone who goes to lyon would be interested you can very easily go to switzerland from lyon because they're very close you can do that as well um or i mean there, there's definitely the highways there are buses from uh well as i say i'm not i'm living close to lyon uh in a town which uh well, won't uh, ring a bell to anyone. <laughs> it's, called, it's called La Tour du Pain. And, uh, and uh, fortunately enough, there's a bus that goes straight to Lyon's airport. Uh, there to, you go. To either go straight to Geneva or uh, 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 to, to straight to Edinburgh, I would say, <laughs> or take a train to Geneva. Uh, and uh, there's also a bus that goes straight to Geneva to, um, to get a plane to Edinburgh. So, so that's basically how I can... Uh, can uh, I can move, uh, <laughs> direct people within the. Well, I, I can still still be close to to my family, uh, whenever I want. Although I'm not very uh, regular at uh, making visits um, for different reasons. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I guess with with that all in mind, and with the sort of image of of where you and your sister were born, and where your parents met, 
did you so you sort of grew up in this town basically next to Lyon or mm, so I you know uh, basically I was born in Lyon but I was raised in uh, I lived in two different homes okay at a time uh, so again cities that people won't uh, won't remember but one city is called uh, bourgoin jalieu uh, actually, that that town was mostly known for having one of the best rugby teams in France, mm. uh, and uh, some other cultural aspects that I completely forgot about. <laughs> uh, but I, I did spend most of my primary school, uh, half of my um, how do you call that, um, secondary school. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what it is. Secondary school up to my maybe eight year old uh, in that town. Okay. Uh, made a fair amount of friends uh, uh, with some, um, let's say, cultural, some similar cultural um, uh, interests, and uh, then I moved to that village uh, that we can call Saint Victor de Cessieu. Okay. Uh, my my parents bought uh, basically a, a country house, uh, which was really nice at the time. Um, and then I went to attend school there in that village. Uh, so many for a few years, uh, if I remember, up to my ten or eleven. And then, uh, well, I still stayed uh, and lived in in that village while I was uh, attending high school. Uh, so in in France, you have two different uh, establishments for uh, students who are between 11 to 15. And then you go to another establishment when you are 15 up to 18. Uh, that, that's rather the uh, average of age. Uh, but it's mainly for people who have passed a certain uh, category uh, that can move on from one establishment to the other. I hope we won't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I st- well for my entire uh, education uh, at school, I, I did live most of my life in that in that um, in that house. So after after studying uh, in high school, I decided to study English uh, in uh, university. Uh, the University of Savoie in Chambéry. And that's where, just to get a bit of context to people? So it is uh, in the region of Haute-Savoie, which is very close to Rhône-Alpes. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's in Rhône-Alpes. It's, mm-hmm. it's another county, rather. But it's, uh, it's still in that general area, yes. basically. Okay. So one thing I forgot to point out is uh, that there are many counties in Rhône-Alpes. Uh, I mean, it was mainly studying in Isère. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I came to study at university in uh, Haute-Savoie. Uh, so the University of Haute-Savoie in Chambéry. Okay. Uh, I mainly did an English, an English degree there, uh, although I didn't finish the degree. Uh, okay. I've been studying there for four years. And, uh, and after, well, on my, my last year... Um, of uni was uh, the turning point of me drastically taking tra- taking a drastic decision to uh, in the aim of changing my my entire life. Uh, there were a lot of factors uh, related to France, to the people I was around, uh, relatives, uh, and uh, other per- people that just made me this made the move uh, and eventually did it. Um, I, I don't know if I should follow that with... No, that's fine. So so at that point, you came to, to yeah. Scotland? Yeah. That's... I mean, wow. That's... Mm. 
that's a lot of, of stuff to take in. I mean, again, we will obviously we're going to go into this further over the course of this podcast, but it's just it's so interesting to hear that everything sort of crescendoed into one moment where it basically felt like you, you couldn't deal with this sort of culture and this sort of mm. way of being anymore. And you mm. just had the the bravery to say, right, I'm going to make a, a big wholesale change and go to a country I haven't been to before and make life work from there. It's, mm-hmm. it's quite, I don't know, I'm, I'm quite amazed. Mm. Well, the, the thing is that to that reason, there was uh, a bit of desperation on a lot of different factors. I, I didn't come to Edinburgh for necessarily the right reasons, uh, but I, I, I was lucky to turn it the, re- the way around. Uh, when I found out about uh, what Edinburgh had to offer, and uh, and uh, especially the what people they are there um, that are even more supportive uh, than any other establishments I've been studying working at, um, uh, uh, it felt like I could actually tell my my own ideas to them and 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 just shade them. So yeah, that's that's a drastic difference to me. Uh, and then I was in, in meanwhile I was reflecting upon why uh, this hasn't worked out in France. I realized a lot of th- things about uh, about my 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 youth, uh, how I lived it, how how I lived, and why it, uh, why I lived the way I lived uh, back in the days. Um, so yeah, basically my um, my youth was uh, was a, a little bit uh, well half difficult, half easy, but very difficult at the time because I was a very shy uh, boy uh, ever since uh, even since uh, primary school. I wasn't I, I was easily um, shutting myself to others for basically seeing a lot of you know strong behaviors around me uh, and it was also the case with adults uh, so I think I, I wouldn't be able to remember the kind of trauma I faced but uh, there were loads of similar behaviors and interactions that um, just piled up and um, yeah I've, basically every time I was trying to maybe talk to either students or students more like pupils or uh, uh, even communicate to an adult on things I was really interested in. Those things were a lot of, well, new cultures, new kind of cultures I was following. Uh, at the time in France, we had a uh, strong surge of animes, Japanese animes, uh, probably one of the, the most important countries in Europe that was importing that. At such point, we became the second uh best consumer of animes and mangas uh, <laughs> in the world after Japan. Um, and so a lot of us who were following that culture were seen in the wrong eye uh, by pupils or even teachers. Um, and uh, it was kind of hard to basically start a conversation or, or rather at the time I didn't know how to to introduce something new and and find a way around to 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 basically tell them this you know this is just a new 
a new way of communicating, of, of expressing your creativity, um, and and uh, basically invite them to look at it a little bit further um, than just um, going on with apprehensions, uh, primary apprehensions. Uh, so that's just one example from from it. There was also video games that were big. Uh, sorry. <laughs> going to remove the burp. <laughs> so I was also very fond of video games. Uh, my dad was uh, actually qu quite a fan at the time uh, of very old consoles. He owned a uh, more like an Atari ST, uh, which was a big com uh, computer, a uh, computer with Amiga at the time. Uh, the Intellivision, which was com competed with the Atari the, for 2600 or something. Uh, and so, yeah, he bought us uh, the video game consoles up to the Super Nintendo. Uh, but then we started to, to uh, uh, save some money, my sister and I, to buy uh, other consoles uh, with PlayStation and 64, whatever. And yeah, so basically I, I was trying to impose uh, or, or introduce to other pupils uh, some of the th that uh, that the activity I was doing um, and I tend to well it's a bit of a uh, it was kind of 50 50 it was like they they were half interested sometimes they weren't and when years gone by they were they were already um, acknowledging the media and uh, and then sharing the media to others so I think it's it's a, a lot has to do with the times we're living in uh, and how um, general culture is is uh, is being told massively to adopt that those new uh, practices. Um, the things we do with our phones, uh, what we call user experience, this was um, already there uh, with the practice of video games. We just refined the way we access to information, to data, to make it usable to the public. Um, but at the time in France, especially, that was highly criticized as something that uh, basically won't make people intelligent or uh, or uh, being really stupid as, uh, as we apparently were already are. So, uh, yeah, so there were a lot of different factors. Um, and uh, so I kind of evolved with that pressure and that tension and uh, did prevent myself from um, sharing a lot to, to others. So I, uh, I basically most lived uh, most of my life, well, playing a lot of video games, watching animes, uh, <laughs> reading some books, uh, but also drawing, doing a lot of creative stuff. Just an ordinary French kid, really. Yeah, <laughs> not really. <laughs> actually, the only way I, I could express myself was mainly through arts. So that's why I loved um, plastic arts uh, at school. Uh, and that was probably one of the uh, basically classes I had uh, the best, uh, the best marks. Uh, because that was the way I could just... Um, you know, try and introduce new practices, new things I was interested in. Uh, teachers, surprisingly, were very open to what I was, my own inspirations. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so, yeah, it did take a lot of time for, for, for a lot of people to acknowledge those new culture thing. I think by the start of 2000, it started to change a little bit and not too much. And uh, then the internet 
came uh, and this is where I could fully find uh, almost find people that were into the same kind of things as me so uh, so with the internet I made uh, a lot of uh, friends that I couldn't meet at the time because I was was not old enough to travel on my own uh, but I waited up until I was almost 18 to uh, well first go to Switzerland and uh, meet two of uh, two of my still best mates uh, from France uh, that I followed as uh, being uh, amateur voice actors okay. and they were doing uh, parodies of video games and animes at the time which had a fair success uh, in the French internet uh, before Dailymotion and YouTube came out uh, but we were already pretty pretty successful uh, in in a lot of uh, just in a lot of the context but uh, but people most people were finding our videos and uh, we laughing out about it um, and eventually they they proposed that I could um, join them and uh, do some voice acting. Uh, voice acting for me was kind of liberating because that's that allowed me to break a shell of no confidence uh, or another shell uh, amongst others that allowed me to fully express myself and find jokes on, on things and uh, and refine my communication to others. So uh, So we did that for like five, six years together, uh, posting videos on the internet. Uh, I was also doing some video editing. At one this point. was before university. Uh, this was, it started before university. It was in the end of my high school days. And there was one, um, one uh, event in between that kind of uh, translate, my, well, it, it was a basically mental breakdown that kind of translated my uh, feelings uh, inner feelings in high school uh, that I've kept to myself for too long um, and uh, so basically what happened without giving too much details I, I was reaching out my, my last year I was uh, passing my last exams and the pressure of finalizing those exams that I not, was not really passionate about um, uh, built it up a lot of um, mental uh, tel tensions that led me to basically have some sort of crisis uh, even to this day I can't I can't remember technically how to call that but I was basically uh, afraid to go out at one right. point uh, uh, for maybe three to up to four months I it felt like I was not familiar with the world I was in. Uh, I couldn't go out. Uh, if I was going out, I was basically fading out. And uh, one, the things that really relieved me at the time were both voice acting. My friends were actually came actually down to to my countryside in France to come and see me how I was, and they did bring their rigs for to basically to do some recording at the time. Uh, surprisingly, I was able to 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 do some voice acting. And at the same time, I was do I was playing music, which was also relieving myself. I was um, doing some sort of melodica and kind of instruments. There were two different uh, types of melodica I was playing, uh, and I was also a drummer. So uh, doing both really helped me to release all the tensions in my body. Still, it's uh, it was a long way for me to uh, get a hold of the world I was in 
fully. So uh, after four months, I decided to join the conservatory in Chambéry. So that was way before I was starting right. studying. Okay, so I, I get a, I get a yeah, proper yeah. sense of the timeline now. Yeah. Um, I mean, that sounds like quite an intense set of feelings and emotions and, and circumstances mm. to all go through at once. And I think that kind mm. of leads me on to my next question, which is to gain a, a wider sense as to what you think was an experience that was specific to you versus what was a wider French thing, which is what would you say is the French sort of cultural mindset towards ideas and towards people who are different from the status quo. So whether that's a, a race thing or a, a sexuality thing or a background thing or a, I have this set of interests and this mm -hmm. isn't the usual set of interests, what do you think the wider French attitude is mm. towards people like that who are different? Actually, that's the probably the wider French attitude that uh, created those tensions with me uh, because it was really hard to being introduced to that kind of topic of maybe thinking, what do you think of such people um, in such ethnicity? And most of the time I just couldn't answer because I didn't want to attract uh, anger or uh, or uh, basically being harassed for leaving a, 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 an answer that didn't suit one or the other. Um, but um, that's that's why it, that's one of the things that also doesn't for me doesn't make any sense because uh, there's a, there is a society that that has shaped this kind of uh, mindsets for people to think that way and uh, but people weren't weren't realizing this uh, I think we realized it more and more thanks to the internet uh, exchanging debates. To, with each other and opening it up uh, to the world a bit more. Also, maybe uh, fair, um, uh, well, cheap flights has also allowed us to <laughs> travel more and, and meet uh, each other more often than we do. Uh, and I think we made much more social progress from, from that. Uh, but at the time, it was really hard to, uh, to to communicate on things because we were always basing our our judgment based on what we were uh, much uh, were listening either from the radio or or television. Um, sorry. <laughs> well, okay. So I'm I'm quite interested following on from that, mm. and you re referencing the kind of international element of it. Mm. Would you say today? that France is a very international country because I think a lot of people who aren't French who feel like they have, for some reason or another, had more access mm. to France culturally. And again, French stereotypes, and that will be something we talk about later, yeah. but it definitely feels like, certainly me, as somebody who is British, that there is so much information readily available about France. But would you say, as somebody who is French and who has lived there for a long period of your life and has consequently and has subsequently been a French person living abroad that France feels like it is a very international place or do you think actually it's quite insular? Uh, th that's again a very difficult question to answer I mean uh, ultimately France is definitely a uh, 
an international place for everyone uh, or it's getting very international we have a lot of uh, people coming in and living there um, ultimately the question of identity is very uh, subjective to one another because uh, again there's some tensions be created uh, within the culture and and also the political system uh, that uh, make people feel they're not don't belong to to the country and uh, uh, constantly being criticized for uh, what they wear or wh how what they do and how they do it. Um, whereas in some other countries, we don't really have, well, we still have that issue, but less than we ha have it in France. Uh, I admit I haven't been living for there for seven years, so I'm not really sure how things have evolved since then. But the least I can come to places like Paris, for instance, uh, feels uh, it. It feels there. There's still a lot of tensions, maybe even more than before. I'm not really sure about other areas of France, but as I say, the internet kind of changed the mindsets of a lot of people. So I won't be able to tell you if uh, the, the the those issues are still. Well, the, 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 the length of that issues are, are still the same. Obviously, they, I mean, we, we can see, especially from the last uh, presidential elections, the rise of uh, fascism, which is very concerning. Um, but uh, uh, there, there's definitely something uh, other than that that's uh, apparently needed to be communicated about. And uh, I think we can acknowledge that there's definitely an issue uh, that... Um, of, of, of um, how do you call that appartenance <laughs> <laughs> an issue of belonging to certain yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that makes so, sense so, so we can we can acknowledge that there's definitely an issue of uh, belonging to a place that is definitely be there uh, and so yes it's definitely difficult to, to give your views on that uh, without being criticized so and again maybe I've got this completely wrong but would you would you link that sort of insular mindset that I think that you've been talking about so far on this mm. episode mm. somehow to uh, the rise of, of fascism in France and to the success that the, the Front National have mm, had? Not necessarily. Uh, I, I personally, well, don't really want to relate my own experience to that uh, to that side of, uh, of France, I would say, because okay. I think, again, it's like a melting pot of everything. Uh, I kind of raise anger from both sides right. in some ways, uh, but uh, both sides more like, uh, which, which has nothing to do with fascism or anything, but um, for, for me, for me, that maybe that, well, Yes, there might have been uh, some ten more tensions created from 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 that side of society, but I didn't feel this was the the main case. I think what we can ex explain how we can explain it was how the the French cultural culture was uh, was evolving from early from early days. Um, uh, briefly, you can say that uh, a lot of us in France were were following uh, how the royalty lived their lives and how they were basically treating themselves. So, yeah, I think in France we we have this uh, philosophy of being very strict uh, for anything basically. So, for instance, we 
in everyday conversation, we need to be very careful about what we're going to say uh, or what we're going to talk about. In a uh, sort of political correctness kind uh, of way. Political correctness in kind of way. Uh, very unconscious and okay. honestly politically in involved. Uh, I mean, I was telling you as we were preparing to start this podcast, my partner who is French... Mm -hmm corrects me every single time mm -hmm. a I make a mistake mm -hmm. in speaking it so I I, I kind mm. of get where you're coming from with yeah that. but I, I never agreed on that personally because it's uh, it doesn't allow the or you you don't get to feel to allow yourself to make a mistake yeah. when you actually don't mean to make that mistake yeah uh, but in the French culture it's almost as if yeah you you say that at first glance people will believe that you mean it but it's not the case uh, and I think I think in English culture we kind of quite open to uh, I'm saying English but more like UK <laughs> well yeah I was going to say <laughs> this is an entirely different podcast yeah. the English no. the English culture versus Scottish no. culture thing no yeah I mean there's there's definitely uh, you can I mean, find many episodes coming up on the first series of Passport People where we investigate oh exactly this. exactly yeah uh, it's totally different uh, different animal The, the 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 other point I wanted to to give is that sometimes when you're as I said earlier when you try to introduce things uh, new things to people uh, they do have this barrier that uh, blinds them from seeing the good things in that and we can explain that because how the let's say it's just one example but how politics have messed up with uh, previous uh, lives on people people are being more even more careful on uh, you, what new what new things we bring to the table uh, whether it's a um, project of law or uh, even outside of uh, political views it's uh, what tech, new technology we're bringing in and uh, and really often the the first judgment we have over that is like oh uh, well let's say that when we presented the iPad, people were criticizing it because they thought it's not it's not much much more useful than a than a laptop. Why did they remove I'm the I'm still one of those dinosaurs who think. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> no, but that's basically the kind of judgment they. Yeah, have no, I understand. Really. It's it's a it's a lack yeah. of ability to be innovative and yes. to be forward thinking and to to think outside the box. I mean, they basically. they are quite innovative, but sometimes they they just don't want to think outside the box in the first in at first glance. So uh, it can tend to be quite frustrating sometimes. It's the attitude. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, say this. I say this um, again. My partner's sister recently came uh, to Edinburgh. And we all had dinner, and I pointed out to them that it is the most French thing to me for people to respond to a question you ask by going bah, mm. and yeah. uh, <laughs> that's typically the the the. the the reaction you get from them and it's uh, the yeah it's that it's that cultural response that basically says uh i'm gonna give you an answer that you don't like and i'm not particularly up for uh unpacking why i'm giving you this negative mm. answer but i'm going to give you this negative exactly. answer anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's exactly that uh it's just that people don't really know why they're doing it 
Uh, and actually, for, well, most people, they take it pretty well, but, well, most people probably not actually, but uh, <laughs> I personally didn't take it well either either way. And uh, that's probably what shown me. Yeah, on. I mean, I but, think I think to a certain extent, it's all about how you take yeah. it. I mean, I obviously I'm different coming into the situation because my relationship with France has always been as a Brit, basically. Mm -hmm. And even though I lived in Paris for four years mm -hmm. and have a very, very deep cultural connection to France, I know that that cultural connection I have is always going to be as somebody who isn't entirely French. And so I've, mm. I've taken things like that and kind of found them funny and not really taken them seriously because I've kind of known, oh, well, you know, that's not everybody. In the same way that you probably look at things that exist in British culture and whereas I might take them more seriously, you probably look at them and go, ah, oh, you know, it's just British people being British. Mm. So I think there's, mm -hmm. an, there's an extent there <laughs> to which, you know, mm. you don't take other cultures seriously, but if something is happening and it's the culture that you grew up in and you see this fundamental flaw, yep. it sticks more personally with you. I mean, Definitely. certainly with me, I, mm. I could do a whole podcast about what does my nut in about the English, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. again... There are other episodes <laughs> no, no, for listeners to that to, to check that out. Um, totally fine. You yeah. you are a photographer, mm -hmm. and consequently, and I've seen your work. Um, you have this eye for beautiful things, whether that's people, whether that's events that are going on, whether mm. that's landscapes. You just you look at something and you can see the beauty within it, which I think is mm. why people love to interact with you as much as they do. Mm. Would you say, as a whole? And again, I know this is a general question, so please forgive me. No, it's fine. That the nation, landscape, people, culture of France as a whole, if you had to give a binary answer and explain why you give a binary answer, is it beautiful and why or why not? It is definitely beautiful in a lot of different places. Uh, there's definitely a lot of areas that are beautiful to, and worth being, fo being photographed. Some people can look very lovely, even though they can have a bad personality. <laughs> <laughs> Always have bring a bit of negativity. <laughs> no, but um, no, it is definitely a place worth going for photography. Uh, if, if I have to mention places that I haven't been going often, too often, but uh, definitely the south of France is very beautiful around Marseille, Nice, mm. uh, Nîmes. There's definitely a lot of different uh, cultures there, even that, uh, well, originated to the cities they are now. They were Roman, you know, culture that came, that that were brought there. Um, and uh, Lyon was uh, used to be a Roman uh, mm -hmm. city at the time. Uh, although some vestiges are now almost completely gone, there used to be a Colosseum there, uh, which is actually quite small. But still There's still some. some kind of Roman theatre that's on yes. the side of uh, the big hill. Yes. I can't remember it's what that is It's a very small area. There's almost nothing left, really, mm. except for just the seats where there's not really any pillars or, mm. you know, any, any kind of columns that you, you would see, like, in Rome. Mm. Yeah, stuff no, like 100%. That. But, 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 but it used to be a little bit like this, uh, still less big than Rome. Um but yeah, no, there are definitely a lot of places. There's a wide variety of areas to, to and landscapes to definitely check out. Uh, one of the areas I uh, was studying at, uh, Chambéry and also Annecy, uh, 
uh, had beautiful mountains uh, where you could go just for walking or skiing. Mm. Uh, so we were, we're never far from skiing, really. Uh, <laughs> students were uh, what basically we had buses from uni that takes you up to <laughs> straight the to the slopes. <laughs> You can do like really good uh, photos in, 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 in mountains. You can be studying in the morning and skiing in yeah. the afternoon. It's the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've never been skiing there, to be honest. But uh, I've never been skiing full stop. Right. It's one of the only things in life I don't think I have tried or will try. It's, it's just uh, I, was, I was scared of breaking a leg or two. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's it's amazing that people devote an entire, basically, industry of tourism to this thing that could basically kill you at any moment. Mm -hmm. No, I think well, in in some well, maybe depending on the question, but uh, no, there's definitely a lot of uh, areas. Uh, Ansi also had like uh, this landscape, so there has this landscape of a mountain, but Ansi was also a little Venice of its own. Uh, so loads of Italian um, Italian uh, inspirations and uh, well cultures into it, and uh, and they also had their uh, Venice Carnival, uh, smaller Venice Carnival there. Mm -hmm. So uh, mostly French people disguising themselves to the, this kind of uh, Venetian costume. Uh, it was almost feeling like Venice in that way. Um, so you have loads of photography opportunities there. I did photographs at the time when I was start starting to learn a little bit more about photography. Uh, and I was using my first DSLR there. Um, and then, uh, well, this kind of follows up another question, but uh, yeah, the I mean, uh, what was the? I was asking about. <laughs> I was at, well, you touched on the people, you touched yeah. on the landscape. Yeah. Now it's the culture. The culture and yeah. the extent to which you believe that that is beautiful, given everything that you've said up till now. Do mm. you do you still think there are elements of it that that feel beautiful, or mm. do you feel like the bits that are beautiful are sort of spoiled by these other things that are going on that kind of complicate it? So I think I'm gonna say the some of the positive aspects that France has um, so first with food especially I think we're we're kind of uh, great in yeah no <laughs> I, mean, I mean if we compare it to the UK uh, France has well, yeah but come on anything compared to the UK <laughs> I mean I'm sorry any nation no, I mean, where your national dish is sausage and mashed potatoes no exactly <laughs> it, it, it's definitely that but uh, I mean there, there are the thing is that even French people a lot of French people sometimes don't know what a great meal is uh, but but we we are quite well in France. They are quite lucky. I can't say we because I, I don't feel I belong to France anymore. Um, fair enough. So fair enough. But uh, they we well when I was living there, we I, I felt pretty lucky to uh, to see all that uh, food uh, organic or free range being redistributed. Um, and uh, and I think I think uh, well. The agriculture was good in that, although obviously there were a lot of flaws uh, in in how we produced it, produced it as well for different uh, on on different things. Which I, I'm not really an expert on that, but uh, it's definitely just the quality overall quality of food and uh, and productivity was better uh, than the UK. Uh, culturally speaking, um, as I say, uh, France tends to be a bit more careful on uh, you know how we introduce new things or new innovative ideas to people, and uh, and that tension in between can um, really um, slow down the process of 
developing new ideas and, and improving things in, um, in overall for everyone, well, everybody's life, basically. Um, and I'm not really sure how to, uh, to end that up. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. I, I think that's all. I think that's all very good. And I think that all that puts everything in, in uh, contrast with all the stuff that you've been saying, which is yeah. a nice balance. Uh, yeah. Before we move on from this question, just fun fact before I completely forget it which I oh, like to bung into these podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, Marseille, which you mentioned, a mm. uh, very beautiful area around there, was founded by the Phoenicians, uh, I think, just after the birth of Christ or thereabout, maybe just before, would... something like that. Anyway, when the Phoenicians came to Marseille, they chose m the area that they put Marseille in mm. because it reminded them of their homeland. All right, okay. Yeah, so if you go to Marseille and you look around and... It gives you sort of Mamma Mia vibes. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's, yes. that's mm. because yeah. that was the reason that uh, mm. the Phoenicians chose that place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so you kind of talked about your sense of belonging there, and I think that brings us nicely over to talking about Scotland. Mm. Um, my partner and I moved up to Edinburgh at the beginning of uh, September. I had lived here for sort of three-year period before she mm -hmm. had never been here mm -hmm. um she's now been in the uk since last may um she's also french she has been part of the french facebook group mm -hmm. um of people who have moved to the uk and that's been a very important part of her experience of dealing with the uk is yes being able to engage with british culture but also being able to fall back and engage with French culture and French people as and when she needed to. And that's been something that's been very valuable for her. Mm -hmm. How have you dealt, especially with the, mm. the experiences that you had in France, mm -hmm. how have you dealt with the balancing act of, on the one hand, connecting with the French people who were here, because there is mm. a small community of French people who live in Edinburgh, yeah. and on the other hand saying, actually, I've left France in order to get away from that, and consequently I want to expand my cultural horizons and become more of a, a Scot and meet people from different countries, mm -hmm. etc. Well, for me, I, I was kind of lucky to have a uh, French friend who was uh, actually living there. Um, and uh, well, she, she, well, I, I mostly decided to live on my own, but she made me visit uh, a lot of areas of Scotland because she used to study there for year or two at a time like in, in edinburgh um, or glasgow in edinburgh, edinburgh. Oh, okay in edinburgh. Uh, so, so she she did this uh, i think most of her um uh, what's how do you call it higher uh, school scholarship higher scholarship uh, she she did most of her high scholarship there in edinburgh mm -hmm. and so she showed me some photos of places here and there and i felt that was kind of the place i kind of this kind of landscape i kind of like being, okay. being there um most more importantly, she introduced me to that uh, college she attended, uh, so creative uh, that had creative courses, uh, which was called a Telford College at the time, which is now Edinburgh College uh, in Granton, and uh, and this is what what made me move to Edinburgh. I I wanted to basically maybe refine some of the skills I already had that already built uh, with my own. Uh, spare time um, uh, and uh, I didn't expect to get the place so from there I went to Edinburgh I, my friend helped me out to uh, check out areas or being familiar with areas and uh, and 
Yeah, so basically I didn't really rely much on, let's say, the French community help because I was doing my own research. Right. Uh, going through Gumtree. Uh, I first stayed at a Polish couple for almost two months. was only supposed to stay there for the festival time. Uh, <laughs> and then I struggled to find another flat uh, maybe for another two months uh, because they had to host family. So I, I stayed in hostels, which is an ideal when you're already studying. And uh, and yeah, and then I found uh, basically a flatmate who was uh, renting out the room, uh, and uh, I could pay the deposit straight away. I had my room, so I've been living this with the same flatmate for now seven years. Oh, amazing! So and we <laughs> we are best friends now. Of course, of course. Uh, but yeah, no, I I mainly rely on myself and and uh, what the internet internet had. To offer me with uh, with that, I, I didn't belong to any Facebook group at the time because I didn't really know they exist. Right. Um, but I did notice there was a strong French community. However, I knew that I didn't want to live with other French people. Right. Because I I wouldn't see uh, learning or improving my uh, the practice of my my English uh, with this kind of environment, and uh, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, because as I said now, I've been living with this flamethrower for seven years. She's Irish, and as I say, when I'm not tired like today, uh, people were asking me if I was from Dublin or <laughs> something <laughs> like that. So, so yeah. Uh, so no, yeah. I, I mainly relied on myself. I uh, noticed a lot of support from the Scottish community and Edinburgh College. I mainly used that kind of support and for for any aspects of life life and and studies and uh, and that was more than enough for me i felt i could basically just um, uh, do things with with my own initiative Uh, i could do things myself and that's basically how i I, uh, set out uh, my my own careers there and uh, and be in the stage i'm at today it's fascinating because you, again, you said uh, about 10 minutes ago now or something that you felt like you didn't belong to France. And it's quite mm. interesting to see the exact extent to which you've taken Edinburgh and you've really embraced not only the elements of it that are Scottish, mm. but the elements of it that are quite international, which is, I mean, A, it's great, but it, it just, it's a reminder to me to hear about the Polish couple you stayed with and, and the Irish flatmate that you have mm. of how international this city is. I mean, I... I speak to so many people who talk about Edinburgh and call it a, a small town. Mm-hmm. And I want to throw everything I have out the window when people say that because you could you could maybe make an argument that you look at the population and you say, oh, mm-hmm. okay, well, that's not as big as your Glasgow's and your Manchester's and your Liverpool's and your London's. Mm-hmm. But what's definitely true is that the amount of diversity here, given the number of people that live here, and I get that part of that is university dependent and that there are a lot of students here, but it's still amazing. It's mm. still amazing that at the first event when we met up, mm. that there was a Bulgarian harpist who'd moved up from uh, from Birmingham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a crazy mm-hmm. number of people with different stories that mm-hmm. just spontaneously end up here and yeah, yeah. you you remind me of that maxime all right um <laughs> we're getting getting That's towards good. getting towards the end of our of our sort of time uh with these questions but i have a few more for you the first one being an interesting one 
given everything we've said, is there anything you specifically miss about A, having not been in France and B, not having really engaged with French culture and French people for that period of time? Wow, that's a very deep question. Um, I know, I, this is I what think, we do here. <laughs> I think ultimately what I miss is uh, possibly do voice acting with my French mates there. Uh, are they are they, they still in that area? So they're, they're, they're now in different, uh, scattered in different areas, although one of them is, is still living in uh, Haute-Savoie. Okay. Uh, and the other is, uh, well, he's working in Ottawa these days now, uh, but he lives up um, up to Paris, close to Paris, but up, up, up north. Um, and some other friends are a bit scattered a little bit in different parts of France. Uh, I think one is still in, uh, well, close to Rouen, there's this county called Les Vosges, uh, region called Les Vosges, rather. I can't remember if it's a county in a, or a region. I, but, uh, we know what you mean. Yeah, so so I would miss uh, many friends, uh, friends that really helped me out to uh, basically, well, support me during my mental breakdowns and uh, help me setting out setting out to, to Edinburgh especially because they basically came, some of them came to bring my computers and all the wow, technical stuff that's amazing they, they were really heavy stuff so uh they they did come with a big package <laughs> for me because i didn't know i was staying there uh when and, you uh, came but, yeah and i came and yeah, i couldn't rely on my laptop because it was so rubbish at the time <laughs> but by the time the time they came with that package i, I was basically all in and uh, because i was already so much in love with embra i just uh basically it's sleepless nights to make sure, to finish to to reach all my deadlines, uh, which was successful. But yeah, no. Ultimately, I miss my friends. I, I miss some of the practices we can do. Uh, I tend to believe we might do it again at some point, uh, depending on how inter the internet is becoming more. The connection is becoming more viable. Um, because ultimately, we, we, yeah, we want to do voice acting again. Um, and uh, I, I can't say there's... Well, I do miss playing music a little bit. But there are definitely factors that made me not uh, willing to um, uh, so just make particularly concerned my mental health as it is right now. Um, I do miss some of my family there, obviously, uh, miss their presence. But in the cultural aspects, let's say France in overall, I'm not, I don't feel entirely tied to it at all. I think the, as I said, my last year in France was mainly the, the, the drop. Uh, I think it's a French expression, <laughs> the drop that, that, uh, the, 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 Ah, how do you call it? Oh, good. I love talking if I, if phrases. If I say in France, uh, <laughs> la, la, la goutte d'eau qui fait des bordées de vase. Have you heard of this? The drop that the drop. broke the vase? No, the, broke, the, the drop that basically uh, was uh, dropped too much 
And uh, so it goes instead of yeah, the, not the vase over. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I get the phrase. See, I yeah. love. <laughs> there are certain English phrases that I just love sharing with people because they just look at me like I'm crazy. Mm. That the best one is so our equivalent of that would be we'd say the final the final nail in the coffin. The fi- yeah, that's yeah. basically that. Yeah, and final uh, nail in the coffin. Yeah, and yeah. I once I was I once dated someone who was Hungarian and I said this phrase to her and she went, "What? Who died?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I do miss some of the freshness of the food, uh, some types of freshness, um, but ultimately right now, I, 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 if I'm being asked to either live in Edinburgh or in France, I would definitely say Edinburgh. Of course, um, of it, course. Yeah, um, that way I don't, I won't kill anyone. <laughs> And and very quickly, I mean, obviously, you can't really answer this question quickly. But we talked uh, before we started recording about the the elements of the culture in Edinburgh mm. that you would like to see transferred into the culture in France. Yes, specifically touching on all of that uh, yeah. stuff that we talked about towards the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, what would you say very quickly those things were if you could speak to the masses of France and suggest things and practices and ways of being that you think would be able to fundamentally change mm. the way that the mainstream culture is in France, what would those things be? So I think the, the main reason that uh, France is, is that way is that we've been living in a, in a set of societies, a different set of societies that shaped up our, our mindsets over the age. And uh, the, the thing that we are not teaching enough, uh, even in schools these days, is to how to think outside the box. Uh, thinking outside the box is definitely the thing that's let's say politics or or higher people don't want us to know about uh, by the time you know about this uh, you're realizing this you opening up your new range of options uh, and and uh, options that can also help others basically I think Edinburgh has is dealing a lot with that um, and and uh, is doing it in the right way, even though sometimes we don't necessarily have a lot of uh, or consistent support with, you know, um, council or things like that. I don't want to put a nail on the, <laughs> or, or shut yeah, myself yeah. in saying that. But, <laughs> but uh, it just even if we don't have like some some organization that are not strong organization that are not supporting us, we still have a strong community that believes in that and in uh, change and how we can make. Uh, sustainable and and uh, more profound social change for to others and so doing that I believe that we can uh, spread how we do it in Edinburgh uh, to other areas and uh, and hopefully inspire other cultures to do the same um, so that's how I see it evolving that's why I'm, uh, I'm not, as I say I'm not just doing photography I'm also doing visual arts to reach out uh, to people more easily with design, uh, especially when it's relate it, when it relates to mental health, and how with the use of design we can trigger conversations better on potentially difficult topics, um, and yeah, I think creativity in overall is also helping out, um, you know, to connect better. I also use photography to connect more with people. I use this as a pretext to travel more. Uh, and share my views, basically everything what we said. Spread the good gospel. Spread the, <laughs> but many, tra- tra- I think uh, 
the 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 ultimate uh, advice I would give to people is to try and uh, stay positive no matter what. Uh, be a bit more considerate, um, compassionate. Because the the I mean to this day and age we need it more than ever, and we can't allow any other influence from higher hierarchies to to uh, get the better of ourselves uh, and, and yeah we have to make sure that we can um, you know maintain the rich ships that we have and and improve them there we go um what would you say the future holds for France? So given that that's your hope, Whoa. <laughs> and, you know, whatever your impressions on whether that will happen or won't happen, what's fucked? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Great, uh, now I need to put explicit on this podcast. <laughs> no, uh, you might cut that, but no, actually it's fine. Uh, it's very difficult. Uh, I think we're uh, these days uh, we're, we're entering in a... The, the country has been in a pressure that we've never seen before. Uh, you can see that with strikes going on since last year. And, uh, and it's also happening with other countries. So uh, I, I can't really predict the, what the future holds, but there's definitely a change operating just now. Uh, and again, not just in France. Uh, the way things will happen will really depend on how we are going to stay connected with each other and improving our, our relationships um, and make sure we do it the right way. Um, by the time we, because if we, if we split up and if we make, if we could, uh, well, I'm going I'm to finish that actually. So, <laughs> play that. so fine, fine. Yeah. yeah fair. And uh, lastly, before we wrap up, and again, I know this is one of those silly questions, but again, it's also an important question for if somebody decides they want to come to France and have an experience that felt typically French, what would you say the thing to do in France was, in your view? Get out of it. Get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Best thing you can I, do in I France, would say, leave. So, so... Uh, Let's make sure you guys don't. I can just say this a warning. Let's make sure you guys don't intend to go live in France unless that region is safe <laughs> from any political tensions or financial uh, issues or whatever. But uh, things to do in France with namely many, uh, well, there's a lot of things really. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but what? So okay, but I'm the thing. Like if you said, guys, thing. when you come to France, you have to do this. And this is the very French experience. What would you What would you say? <laughs> Sorry. Watch uh, anime. <laughs> Thank you, Max, for coming and speaking to us about France. Uh, my pleasure. For, for those people out there who want to learn more about your work, or maybe who happen to be in the Scotland area and happen to need a freelance photographer, how can people find out more about what you do and? 
So you can I find my website on uh, on this address, www.kissmaxim.com. Uh, we'll put a link in the we'll description. Put a link in the description. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, social media, using my own name. Uh, and uh, you can reach my Alpha phone as well. Uh, but yeah, basically just uh, get in touch with me. Let me know what your project is or what your needs are. And uh, I'll be, uh, it would be a pleasure to uh, do work with you. And uh, yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Maxime talk about France. We will be back next week with talking with somebody else about some other place. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you very much, Finn. Have a, have a good morning. <laughs> <laughs> and wherever you are, have a good whatever it is you're Cheers, having. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to Passport People. The music was by Harry Bongo, and the cover art was by Maya Pires. Learn more about us by visiting our Island Life Productions Facebook page, or by visiting our website at islandlifeproductions.com.